Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All righty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We are bellying up to the bar with, I'm going to say, podcast legend, entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, foodie, uh, could be my brother from another mother, uh, down in the in the in hot Atlanta, uh, down there where my favorite pizza place on the planet is, um, where the first place I ever had a scotch egg. If you don't know what that is. It will change your life. The birthplace of the Buckhead Bounce, which a brother can bounce. Look, I mean, you didn't know. You didn't know it. For those of you who don't know it, brother used to go to the club and bounce. We have with us Mr. S.A. <laughs> Grant. <laughs> oh, man. I appreciate you having me on the show, Sean, man. That was hilarious. Oh, you, oh, you didn't know, brother. Buckhead Bounce, did you? I mean, oh, oh, look, that's, I mean, oh, shit. Hey, as long as you, as long as also your ass in the screen and you're doing booty shakes, we're good. No, we, I, there will be no twerking on, <laughs> on this end. Um, my twerk day, I'll throw my back out and we will mm. be done. There will be no, it, they'll be like, oh, what happened to him? We don't even get the show no more. He done blowing his whole back out on his own. No, you you got to do it from the hospital. That's all, man. You got to do oh, it. It'll be fr- straight up from the hospital bed. So, uh, <laughs> brother, I, I saw, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, for those of you that don't know, essay you got to check out Boss Uncaged. Uh, that is his podcast. We're gonna run the run his website. We'll run that along the bottom. So bossuncaged.com to check out essay, and then he's got his podcast at podcast.bossuncaged.com. But let's go ahead and get our house cleaning done. All the important things out of the way, real quick here, folks. So first and foremost, uh, behind my right shoulder, I forgot what I was gonna say. Behind my right shoulder. We've got our uh, sticker and a cause. If you've got something you believe in, something you're supporting, I don't care what it is, whether you've got your own podcast, whether you've got a charitable organization, I don't care if it's Little little League Baseball. I don't care. Reach out to us at the Above the Bar podcast on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. Even our email is theabovethebarpodcast at gmail.com or our parent network, the Earplug Podcast Network. And let me know what you're supporting. I'll give you the address where to send everything to my home address. You send me the sticker. I put it on the on the board and we talk about it. Again, that's sticker and a cause. Now, the next thing is maybe your your media is feeling a little caged up and you need to uncage it. Well, then you need to speak to Media by Dibs. That's D-I-B-S. You can find him on Facebook at Media by Dibs. Instagram is Media by Dibs. Or if you go on the uh, LinkedIn, it's Andrew Dibble. And you go ahead and mention him. Mentioned him belly up to the bar. He's going to give you a free consultation and 10% off your first order. That's media by dibs. All right. Homework is done. House cleaning is ready. It's time for me and Mr. S.A. to get into it. Mr. S.A. Grant, welcome back to the bar, brother. 
I definitely appreciate you having me, man. I've been looking forward to it as well, too. Like all day long, I was like, I had other podcasts today, and I was like, okay, I got to make sure I'm ready to go by eight o'clock tonight. So, got my drink in hand, and I'm ready to get all rolling, brother. Now, what what are you hitting us up with tonight? Now, I'm I'm still on my Helderberg bourbon, you know, <laughs> New Scotland spirits. What you killing us with tonight? Sexton Irish whiskey. It's a rated 89 point, so it's, it's definitely pretty smooth for an Irish whiskey. I mean, usually you get some shit and it tastes like gasoline, but it's it's, it's smooth. All day. So, so I'm 50-50 on Irish whiskey. Now, do you do you normally drink Irish whiskey? Is that what your preferred is? My preferred is Japanese. Oh, now I've God, what is that? If I can find the bottles over in my, my bottle stack, there's a blend, a Japanese blend that I really like. Um God, I'll have to look it up, but um what what's your go-to Japanese? Um, I almost forget how to pronounce. I think it's Shatori. Now, there's a couple of those Japanese that are like crazy expensive, like insane. Yeah, yeah like, some of them, especially when they had the drought. They had a drought like maybe three, four years ago, and it was kind of like the demand went through the roof. Now, we were going to talk. We're going to talk about Boston Cage, but I want to bring that up with this whole fake shortages for for bourbon, bourbons especially. They they've been bad about it. What's your take on that? Like, do you buy into it? Like. Oh man, I gotta I gotta pick up on as much of this as I can because there's this crazy shortage. Or do you kind of go, I, I don't care? No, I mean I'm an abstract thinker, so I'm just kind of like, why the fuck am I gonna pay a premium for something that I usually get at base price? So I'm just gonna find something else and switch it over, and then obviously the demand is gonna drop down, and then the void will fall, and then the prices will fall. It's just like gas and everything else, man. So once you understand the business behind shit, you don't fall for it. I hundred percent agree with that. Like, uh, there's a great documentary called neat i've talked about it a bunch of times Mm. on the show and it's about bourbon but they actually talk about how the bourbon industry was dying and um there was this guy who figured out that you know one of the people were like hey what do you want me to do with this barrel it's like it's been sitting for so long in the back corner that uh you know the angels have gotten more than their fair share do you you want to buy and the guy was like really (laughs) and he realized it was a marketing tool that he could be like, this is single barrel. Nobody, no other ones. It's not mm-hmm. blended with nothing. And people were like, oh my God, I've got to have this. I've got it. I've, I've yeah. got it. I've got to drink it. And and Heaven, Heaven's Hill did, does that. And mm. you ever had Heaven's Hill? Yeah. I think you, after you had told me about it, I got me a bottle of it. Bro, what'd you think? It's smooth, man. I mean, I, I got no complaints. I mean, it's one of those things, man. If you just love bourbon, you love scotch, and you love whiskey, it's kind of like once you find those gems, you just stick to them. That's you know what? I think that's exactly it. It's like it's like your favorite pizza. Like once once you got your spot, nobody else. Anything anybody else tells you, you're like, yeah, that that's bullshit. That's not that's not my stuff. But I gotta ask you. Let's talk about pizza for a minute. All right, Antico pizza. See, I'm a native New Yorker, so I mean, and I know you up there right now, but for me, it's always going to be like the pizzeria at Brighton Beach or Coney Island. Like that's always going to be my my favorite pizza. I grew up on that uh, in high school, after school, every day going and picking that up. So it's the nostalgia of that is not going to be able to be out outmatched anywhere else. I'm with you, but God, that uh, that Antico pizza, Mm -hmm. that's on another level, bro. Mm. Have, Have you had it? Nope, have not. Where's it located at in Atlanta? Um, it was like this Italian uh little corner where like across the street from it was an Italian deli 
and there was like an, they had a gelato place right next to it also uh it was just I, I i can't say enough good stuff about that particular place like if you've never been highly highly recommended as i'm i'm letting you know i'm sharing this to like boss uncaged uh book page this is going on uncaged foodies right now make sure you're checking out all essay stuff if you're if you're a food junkie like me uh he's always he's putting on some stuff on there that i can't even make the fat kid in my soul get hungry every time so i highly recommend you check check out all sa stuff um but let's talk about that for a second like what is boss uncaged let's talk about that for a minute what is boss uncaged well coming from like a brand standpoint like when i had to kind of rebrand and kind of come up with this this new image of what i was planning on doing i had to kind of first of all figure it out like phonetically and I wanted it to be like simple words that can define multiple different things. So I wanted to, I wanted a five-year-old to be able to spell it, right? So that's the first part about being boss. The other part of that is like, you know, usually nine out of ten, boss is a self-defined thing. Either you have a boss or you want to become a boss or you are a boss. And again, my original community I was talking to were people that were underneath the regime of a boss and they wanted to break out of that cage. They wanted to break out of corporate America and to become uncaged. And then that kind of evolved into, okay, like, well... Even as a boss, there's opportunities for you to become more than what you are currently right now. Like, what is your legacy? What are you leaving behind? And that's more of a, a long-term being uncaged. Now, now you bring up a great point when you say a boss leaving their legacy behind. What what does that mean for you? So for me, like, I mean, literally, like, post-stroke back in 2018, and then I woke well, up and that, I, Hold on. Give that piece to it because you you're, you can't gloss over that. I know okay. what that's about. Don't gloss that. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like literally, I mean, back back when I first started, my, my first business was like back in 2000 and I, I jumped into multiple different disciplines. Right. I mean, I'm a graphic designer by degree, web designer, multimedia specialist by degree. And then after that, I was like more of an IT professional by trade. And then I was like, OK, this is great. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to go work for some people and I'm going to learn. So I started working for like major corporations like Comcast, working for Apple. And I would work six months, three months. And I was just literally learning their systems and bringing it back to my business. And I was doing that forever. And then in addition to that, I went through a custody battle and got primary full custody of my son. when He was five and now he's 16. So just life happened. And I'm doing all these different things and I'm becoming a, a travel agent and I became an insurance agent. And for me, it was more so I didn't realize I was left brain and right brain equally. So on the right brain side, I was trying to figure out things. And on the left brain side, I was trying to bring them together. And I was like, I'm going to build this huge metropolis of a company and I'm going to get all these components. And then 2018 happened and I was burning the candlestick on both ends, not sleeping, not taking care of myself. And literally I woke up in the damn hospital with a, a hole in my leg, a stent in my head and was recovering from a stroke brother that's that's incredible so what what kind of eye-opener was that for you other than obviously life is is a precious thing but what was that for you to be like oh shit i almost lost it well more more importantly for me it's kind of like i I took real pride when i got primary custody uh, of my son so from the time that i got him i started like devising plans to become a full-time entrepreneur and leaving behind information or nuggets or legacy for him way before I was a podcaster. So when that happened, I was like, shit, I spent all this fucking time developing this business, developing companies and, and helping people, but I was not leaving the blueprint or the documentation to give to him 
for him to succeed me once I passed away or for his kids to take it over once I passed away. And that's like, I was like, that's a big no-no. Like that's how companies fall apart. If you don't have the documentation to teach someone how to run that shit, then it, it falls apart. And that's when my girlfriend at the time was my wife right now. I was like, well, it was time for you to step to rebrand yourself and do what you do for other companies and time for you to step in front of the limelight. And at the time I was like, well, I could become a YouTuber. Or I could become a podcaster. And I may not seem like it, but I was an introvert at the time. And I was like, well, shit, I'm gonna take the ladder. Fuck that, 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 that camera shit. I'm going to stay on the microphone and I'm going to become a podcaster. And, and obviously since then things have changed. Right now, I, I, I try to explain this to people all the time. They're always like, you can't be an introvert and want to be on the mic and be in front of the camera. Yes, you can. I'm going to tell you that most of your celebrities, Hollywood, any of those people, mm-hmm. I would even, my wife would argue with me and say, I'm not an introvert, but as I understand the term more, I don't keep a lot of people around me. Mm. My my close net group is small, mm. but my outside persona, I feel more comfortable if I let everybody know I'm there. That's oh yeah, he's over there, and then I can just kind of disappear and fade into the background. Yeah, that's that's my introvert, mm. you know, uh, and it's it's different. So, but now you say that you so you started off just pure podcast. Like just pure uh, audio. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny too, because at least I had enough in, in insight to say, okay, I'm going to start recording videos. So like now, like my team, we're editing videos from season one and season two, we're on season four. And we're so, I, I, I like that because now I have like quadruple marketing. I'm still marketing season one as much as I'm marketing season four and everything is overlapping. So like when you look on the internet, you're going to see me everywhere because again, so much damn content is coming out and I didn't release any videos in year one or year two. So, so if they're listening for looking for video year one, two, it's, it's a pure audio side. What made you with, with your, so I was in the, I always wanted to put out the videos and you kind of talked about that. We were talking about this before. And he, mm-hmm. SA was asking me how I like Streamyard, And for those of you that are watching our live right now, I'm not getting no money. StreamYard, if you're watching, you come pay me, motherfucker, because I, <laughs> I I hype you more than anybody. You need to come find me and pay me. I've actually reached out to them before and was like, hey, do you have, like, official sponsors? Like, do you sponsor any podcasts? And they're like, no, we're thinking about it. I'm like, you're playing games with my emotions. You need to you, you need to sponsor me because I talk you up a lot. But that's what – if you're watching the live right now, that's what you're watching this one. This is StreamYard. It is way better than Zoom. It is way better than my first ones were Skype. I used to do my record on Skype because I would be, I didn't, I wanted to do an hour show and I didn't want to pay for zoom and zoom was 40 minutes. Skype mm-hmm. was free. Can't tell you many times people were like, I think I got Skype. Let me go look for my password. <laughs> but, but they always found it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right. Cause they wanted to, to record. Um, but I always wanted to do an audio and a visual because I, that's the other side. Like, I look good. I'm a good looking person. I think you should see me. I th- just me. So, but what was your catalyst to kind of say, okay, now I'm going to do this this video side? Well, I mean, for me, it was it was more so like I, I take a lot of action on whatever I'm going to do, but I'm also a perfectionist as well. So for me, I wanted to kind of own the craft of becoming a podcaster. Like I wanted to to live and breed that shit in and out to the point to where in a couple years, then people will be like, yeah, I, I say 
he's a great host or he's a great podcaster. And then once I started hearing that, once I started hearing, okay, like I haven't heard that question before in another podcast, somebody has never did this before in a podcast, the way you interview, the way you, you listen, the, the way you bring back questions. When I started hearing that routinely, then I was like, okay, I've kind of started to articulate my craft. Now let me put some other information out there on another platform and start a secondary audience. Because again, obviously YouTube is going to be completely different than podcasting, completely different target audience. So for the YouTube people, they're just seeing me for the first time, essentially, and saying, oh, okay. And then they're going to follow and then catch up eventually. Now, you you, you bring up the YouTube piece. Mm-hmm. Do you think, it, and I was just having this conversation, do you think that the term podcast has changed? Okay. And what I mean by, by that is originally it was a pure audio medium. Mm-hmm. It was listening to it. And I still, like, I've got a handful that I love. Like there's Boss Uncaged, I love it. And if you if you're looking for a great one, make sure you check out podcast.bossuncaged.com, and you can get all essay stuff. Or go to bossuncaged.com. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure that check clears, brother. Make sure the check clears. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but but now I really feel like podcasts are video audio mediums you got to have both if you don't have both you're probably doing yourself dirty in some way i think that that's partially true i mean it's to the point to where media if you don't have the omnipresence and, and this this is this is the debatable conversation we're having right because there's some people they're hell-bent on their one idea of that platform and they want to stay on that platform they know that platform they're converting on that platform but what i always tell people is like if you don't start working on your omnipresence then one of those platforms are going to fail. Imagine if someone was still holding on to fucking MySpace. Where would that podcast <laughs> be? Where would that person be right now if they held on to that shit with all their identity and then that platform flops and then now they're trying to catch up on other platforms? At least start. Like if you're not doing TikTok all the time, at least have a TikTok account. At least put a video every once in a damn blue moon. So once you figure out how to use it, then you just roll into it. It's not starting from scratch. And then when somebody looks at when was it created, at least it was created for a couple of years or two, three, four years before you actually really started using it. Did you ever get in a fight with somebody about not being on their five on their five or them to, or you having to swap somebody out on the five on on uh, MySpace? You remember that? Why, yeah, I mean, I, I remember it, but it was like I think the day that Facebook became a reality, it was just kind of like, like MySpace just they couldn't catch up. It was just like no. they couldn't, they couldn't. And it's the same thing with all the other platforms right now. I mean, obviously, who thought that TikTok was going to outweigh Instagram or even outweigh like the other platforms that are out there right now? It was just it just kind of happened overnight. Now Ray Gagnon, Master Guns Gagnon, he comes on all the time and hangs out. He's one of my mentors uh, when it comes to sales and business. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ray, I just sent you a text. If you didn't see it, uh, I want to talk to you about something. I'm looking at a franchise uh, personally, but um, he asked, what is Omni? I know what you mean by by Omni. Tell him what you're meaning by that. So, I mean, literally, once you get into the marketing game like that, that, that's the epitome of what you want. You want someone to be able to see you no matter where you are. If you go to LinkedIn and you search for the name, they're there and they have content that's fresh and is being used there. And then you go to Twitter and you see their name. You go to Google and you type it in and you'll see all. So it's essentially it's like an octopus with tentacles that's just spitting out this content on multiple different platforms. And you get to the point to where the algorithms start working for you. And then no matter where you go, you'll see everything everything that that person is creating, especially if you're logging into those platforms. It's it's like an omni, when you're saying omni, you're saying omnipresence on all platforms everywhere 
like I should be able to go in right now and, and type in boss uncaged. Shinoli Grant, S.A. Grant is going to pop for me. I know it. Yeah, I mean, if you go to Google right now, and if you're a listener right now, just go to Google and type in boss and cage. And the goal is, is like I dominate the first three to four or five pages and there are variables of me being on podcasts, like you're saying, the, like my book club or, or my like my food group. And again, everything, I'm a brander. So everything is branded under that umbrella of being boss and cage. So by default, I'm dominating in that keyword structure to where no matter where you go or search for it, I should show up. If I don't, send me a DM email and I'll fix it in 24 hours. And, and he's not kidding. So to give you kind of the background, how SA and I met, uh, we were introduced. I believe it was Jessica Gruber that introduced us. Yep. Uh, Jessica introduced us. Uh, for those of you that remember Jessica, she's been on. She has her show called Paid, uh, where she talks about how God has paid the path for people's lives and set them on a path. So make sure you check her show out. But she introduced us. And I think we went from what was supposed to be a 30-minute conversation to talking for well over an hour. And I even went back and looked at some of the ways I was doing things mm -hmm. after that and said, I've, I've got to adjust stuff because you're very successful. But you've figured out ways that, trust me, Jessica, and I'm the worst. I'm going to promise you I'm the worst. I'm the guy who I need a website. I know I need a website. I really have to get this done. Please don't ask me what I want on it. Please don't ask me what's I'm the guy who really needs to. I can tell you what it looks like in my head. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how to get it there. And Jessica's so awesome. She's been trying to help me, but I'm like, can, can, can I get a fire? What was the one? Can I get a firefly? Can I get the firefly website? Like just like throw on some pictures and the shit works. I don't know what I'm doing, but essay really pushed me that this is something I need, but you figured out some money. Are you, are you comfortable talking with some of your monetizing for your, like, I think this is so huge the way you have figured out, and I'm going to do some of this. Mm -hmm. You have figured out how to monetize your podcast in the most unique way that I've ever heard of. Hmm. So I, I guess my question is, which one are you talking about? Well, you could talk about all of them, but I like the way you monetize for right now. If I wanted to be on your show, I can mm -hmm. go get on your show. Yep. But it's 270 days before my show's going to air, correct? Yeah. Yeah. But if I want if I feel so strongly about what I'm doing, mm -hmm. Ray, I hope you're still listening, brother, cuz this is an important one. But if I feel so strongly about what I'm doing and I need the SA Grant Boston Cage brand to take me and push my content out, mm -hmm. I can get it in 3 days, right? Correct. What is that going to take though? So, I mean, when I first came up with that idea, it was kind of like when it comes to monetization of podcasts, it's always like micro monetization. It's never going to be like you're going to get a million dollars right now for doing whatever unless you're Joe Rogan and you get a contract. So you're going to have to kind of think about, like, how do I scale? So for me, it was like, OK, season one was great. We had 20 something episodes and I was trying to contact people through my Rolodex. Season two was my Rolodex and referrals. And by the end of season two. I started learning more about what I, I call them podcast recruiters. And then I was like, well, what the fuck is a podcast recruiter? How does that shit even who the hell's paying to be on a podcast? And I'm looking and I'm getting emails left and right, because at that point in time, I wasn't really checking my analytics per se, because I was so busy learning my craft. Come to find out, like the, the show was ranked at 10 percent, then it was ranked at 5 percent and it was ranked top 1 percent. And right now we're ranked 0 0.5. So where we are right now 
the podcast recruiters are going through their algorithms and they're searching databases for top podcasters. And they're looking for essentially three things. One, you have 100 episodes. Two, you're ranked on listen notes within the top 5%. And then the last thing essentially is more so like the articulation of like what is the podcast doing? And, and, and it goes back to the omnipresence. So once I started seeing that and I started asking them, like, how much are you guys charging? Some of them were saying they were charging $20,000, $10,000 to find 10 or six podcasts to take this individual person that's a high-profile individual, a high earner, and they don't have time to do the research on podcasting. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. So by default, I have a list of 30 of those people now, 30 of those podcast recruiters all over the world that, again, I give them carte blanche to just put people on my show. So that becomes my pipeline. That becomes my input data. And then when somebody sees my launch form, it's two options. Like you said, it's a free option. And again, I, I'm spitting out content every single week. I record anywhere from three to nine episodes a week easily. And That's by huge. doing that, like, I can't even imagine I'm doing one a week and I'm like, but this is your full time. I mean, everything that I do, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur, like I said, since my son was five, he's 16. So I've been in, out of corporate America for at least 11 years. Solid. So, so, so you're doing three to nine shows a, a week. Correct. And again, if, if, if I'm going to launch your episode, I have it, the model split. We can do the lives, we can do the YouTubes, but my real target audience to where I'm getting 10, 15,000 downloads per month is in the audio files. It's not in the video. It's not in Instagram. It's in the audio. So like, that's the real meat and potatoes of why we have the credibility. So if you want to be in that stream, well, there's a backlog. We've released about 140 episodes and we've recorded over 300 episodes. So our backlog is about 160 episodes. And if we're releasing one episode per week, by default, that's going to push you out till next year. So then I said, okay, you know what? How do I fix this? And the only way to fix this is to monetize it. So I was like, okay, if you want an opportunity to get your podcast aired in the next three days, I'll record it on Monday, have my team chop it up, clean it up, get the artwork done, and we'll launch that bad boy Wednesday or Thursday of that week. It's going to cost you 200 bucks, which is essentially nothing for a marketing strategy. Nothing. Cheap. Cheap. So the goal is, is, is when you have that, and then you have these people that are just putting people on your list, again, they're going to say, okay, here's Boston Cage. It's a great show. I had somebody on there that was, you know, I think he had just sold his company for like $500 million, something crazy like that. He looked at it and it had two options, 200 bucks, get your show aired now or wait a year. Makes perfect sense. They just spent $10,000. So it's, that's just one of the monetization sets that makes it very easy. Ray, I, I will inter, introduce you, Master Guns, to uh, SA and, and get you on there. So this, we'll talk, Ray, Ray Gagnon. It, we used to call him the silver tongue devil because he could, mm. he could sell. He, this is one of those guys when you hear the, the story of uh, ketchup popsicles to a woman in white gloves. Oh shit! <laughs> she's probably she's probably buying two. Mm. And this she's is who trained. Sounds like man. She might be buying boxes. And this is somebody <laughs> who trained me. And, and I say that in a very loving manner. He mm. he he's heard this a million times. He trained me on, on how to do what I do, mm. and uh, how to res how to respect the craft. That's truly what it was more than anything. We just met the other day and had a great breakfast, but it's really about respecting the craft and respecting yeah. what we do and, and trying to take the, the cheesy sleaze ball out of sales and, and just showing people that, look, I've got something that can help you. Let me teach, let me show it to you. 
the guy's amazing with that. So we'll 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 get you guys tightened up there. But what are some of the other? Now you said there's more than one way. So that was the one that for me, uh, yeah. I was doing Saturday shows, and this is something that I'm putting together, and I have no problem in putting it out for people. That I used to do Saturday shows, and they were kind of like. My family was okay with it, but then I realized I'm taking my Saturday to put you on my show as a as a, as something for you. My show is Wednesdays. If I'm doing Saturdays, I'm doing that for for you. Yep. And I was doing it for free, so that's one of the things that's going to be on my website. Is hey, if you want to do a Saturday show, I'll do a Saturday show with you. Mm. But there's a monetization to it. Yep, supply and demand. It's 100 percent supply and demand because at one time I had five days a week booked Monday through Friday. Then I reduced it to Tuesday through Thursday, and I have my Mondays and my Fridays to kind of run the business or whatever. But I, what I've done is that if you do select the two ninety, the one ninety seven or whatever it is, then magically when you check that calendar, Monday and Friday happens to be available. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it, it kind of, if you want, I mean, we live in a world you got to pay to play, and and I spent three years, like I said before, articulating this craft to make my podcast not only effective, but official, but build legacies, not only for myself, but for the person that I'm interviewing. I'm, I'm doing the research. I'm doing the due diligence. I'm talking to them about shit that they did 10 years ago. Some shit they talked about on some Ted talk when they were like 15 years old, shit that they, they didn't even remember or think that I would have access to. So I, I, I do my work. So by doing that, that's why the show is being successful. I put the effort into it. So that's interesting. So, and and the reason I say that's interesting to me is it's so different from my process. And I want everybody to hear this, that if you're thinking about doing a podcast and, and you're listening to some of the greatest audio minds that have ever been out there. And, and if you don't like, I don't care if you like what Howard Stern does and Howard Stern's content, I will promise you that, that guy is a multimedia monster, even to this day. You, he's not on terrestrial radio, but that dude still. You don't, you don't get paid a five hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. and now basically owns a majority stake. I believe it's a majority stake. I have to double check myself in Sirius Satellite Radio. Uh, it, it it's unbelievable uh, what that guy's able to do he has a research team. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that a lot of what I do, I hope from that standpoint is more his way, but I feel like there's the other side to it is the Larry King way. Mm-hmm. Larry King knew everything about his guests when they came on. Larry mm-hmm. knew everything because he was a, he was, came from the news side and the reporter side. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of what you sound like to me as a, is you come from, you approach from that side. I have people all the time and they're like, do you sit down and research your guests? No. What do you mean? No, I know. I know who they are. I know what they're about. I know mm-hmm. what they're bringing to the table, but I want to be as, sh- as surprised as the audience hmm. when I hear something. I would say you're doing yourself a disservice. Okay, and the, please. And the reason why I say that, think about the first time you and I had that conversation, right? Right. Like we made a bond. Like we were communicating, we were talking and we were like, what's your background? What's my background? And it took us about 30 minutes to kind of really get engulfed in that conversation. And like you said, it ran well into an hour, right? But it takes about the same amount of time offline, even more so in 30 minutes to an hour, you could do way more research. And when you come to the table in the first five minutes, you can make that direct connection. 
in that first five, that's okay. Part, one of the things that I do on my show is a little trick of the trade that when, once I realized that it worked, I was like, holy shit, it's a no brainer. I always give my guests a nickname. And that nickname is always associated to a principle of what they do, what they sell, or a keyword that is highly repetitive on their website. That is my formula. So I would sit there and go through their Twitter, their their Instagram, their YouTube, and I'm listening to five minutes here. I may read something there. And if I start seeing the pattern of this keyword, I'm like, well, shit, that's their nickname. And then what I'm going to do later on, you, you got merchandising, right? So if mm -hmm. I decide to then create an entire boss brand, which I already have the boss and cage store, then I can go in and say, okay, this is John. He is the executive boss. This is Susan. She is the realtor boss. And I can make these shirts. And then all realtors would want the realtor boss shirt. All photographers would want. So again, these people are helping me build out this system behind the scenes that I haven't released yet for monetization that's going to happen later on. All right. What's my nickname? I need it. You haven't interviewed yet. Ha! Come on. God. I thought I was going to, I thought I had one. I, nah, I, had so one. I would say definitely when I get you on the show, you're going to have one. But again, I'm going to, even though I know you, I right, still right. think it's credible for me to do the research because it may be a little thing, some little shit that you're not thinking about. And I'm going to be like, that's it. And so everyone that's listening to the show, they may think it may be the bar pot, the bar boss. Not, I guarantee you it's not going to be that. It's going to be something that's very personal and detailed to you that lets you know that I know who the fuck you are within the first five minutes of that show. Because that's the worst part of a podcast is the first five to ten minutes. Because the person you're interviewing is going to talk you to fucking death. They're going to throw up everything. How do you get past that? You got to let them know, let them trust you as quick as possible. And that's how I do it. I love that. See, I, I love, see, for me, it's, I, I use old, re, re, old sales rapport building. I have enough to start a conversation, mm -hmm. but I, I use a lot of open questions that I can, I can go to uh, and be like, hey, so, you know, you're talking about this. Tell me about it. Boom, 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 boom. And keep using open questions until I, I have to use closed questions. Mm. And I use that for the rapport side. And that's how I build it because I love the shock factor. Mm. I love to be shocked by it. And, and real quick here, Master Gun's throwing up some stuff real quick. What he's talking about with what you're doing, it's gold. Far more valuable than a couple hundred bucks for exposure. Absolutely. And he says, yes, he would have a nickname for me, but totally inappropriate. Yes, because he knows enough about me. But – uh. I, I just love that there's different approaches. So if you're out there and you're thinking about a podcast, mm -hmm. I love Essay's process. He has a process. I have a process. Mm -hmm. I how many how many times did you see your name pop up this week on social media that wasn't yours? Yeah, and I, I was definitely highly impressed by it because I was like, okay, like like you're doing the front end marketing, which most people they they don't do the front end marketing, right? But again, I, I don't know if, you're, if that's automated or if you have a team manually doing it because we didn't we didn't talk about it yet. That so, is one hundred percent me. Okay. So I, my next thing, automate that shit. But see, I've talked about that. Now, what do you use for your automation process? Do you have or you have a team? I have a team, but I also like I, it's funny because my team they understand that okay, I am never going to replace you as a team, but I may replace what you do on this team. And what that means is like I'm a real big component of startup companies and lifetime deals. And I think most people, they don't even know what a lifetime deal is. They're like, what the fuck is a lifetime deal? Well, think about it. 
prime example, Zapier. If you ever heard of Zapier as an automation platform that plugs into multiple different other things that does things for you repetitively without you having to do it. Maybe three, four years ago, Zapier had a lifetime deal that they would give you like unlimited access to use their platform as a new user to help them grow their platform for 80 bucks for life versus spending $80 or 90 or $100 per month right now. So once you understand that these things are in existence and you get into the Facebook groups, you get into the websites, and then you start searching for keywords. I, I'll search for keywords every day. I wake up in the middle of the night cold sweating. Okay, I need to figure out how to how to automate this shit. And I'll type in the code word and I'll tell oh, they got something. Oh, it was $49. And then I'll look at the video. And I'm like, okay, who is doing this on my team right now? How is this going to help them? How is it going to save them time, make their jobs 10 times easier, or give them something that they really want to do versus doing nuanced bullshit tasks? And at the same time, I'm saving money. I'm only going to spend for that platform one time and I don't have to pay that employee hours anymore and I can put them on another task. So every single time I find that opportunity, I'm also scaling my business. I I so agree with that. It's funny you talk about the lifetime. We were talking about StreamYard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with StreamYard. They started maybe six or eight months before I got on their platform. And not long, they had changed some prices, but they actually reached out to me and were like, look, if you want, we can put you on the lifetime price. It'll never change. And it was a lower price. I I still got to pay every year, but they were like, we're going to go up in price. Mm -hmm. If you want, because you've been with us for so long, we'll put you at a lower rate, Mm -hmm. but you just got to pay it up now. So I did it. It was, it's. It, it physically, I'm, I pay for the rest of my life, as long as I'm podcasting, as long as I'm with those guys, four hundred dollars a year for Streamyard, which I, which is not bad. It's a steal. Yeah, it's, it's a steal for what this is. And there's there's a couple of them, like app, all the app sumo stuff. Mm-hmm. That's another example. I I, would, I recommend that to people all the time. They're like, if they're looking for like mail sendouts, like mail fox and all that stuff, they're all part of the app sumo group. And they're always the beautiful part. The beautiful part about AppSumo is that, like, you can type in mail, and there's going to be more than one application. Because you're I like... the one that kicked me over to those guys. You're the one that sent. Oh, me. I, okay, okay, okay. I was like, say, uh, like, it sounded like you was talking like me for a minute right there, because it's like AppSumo. It's a game changer. It, it's game and thing. it's so convenient. You pay one price, rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Here it is. And ju- I tell people all the time, if you're looking for stuff and you're looking to get into this, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It's amazing. Now. I'm curious about something with Boss Uncaged because I know I did it here. Um, how have you seen Boss Uncaged, the podcast side to it? I know you've now got, we just started the book group. Um, you've got the Boss Uncaged foodies, which is ridiculous. Those pictures, it's bullshit. It just makes me hungry when I watch them. <laughs> um, and then you have the, the Boss Uncaged podcast, uh, bossuncaged.com. How have, how has Boss Uncaged itself evolved oh, yeah. to from what you thought it was going to be? Because I know how I thought my show was going to be to what it is today when you when you hit your comfort zone of what you now you know what it is. So, I mean, all the things that you listed are kind of like my omnipresent stuff. They're just like my free items out there. But like my real monetization behind the scenes is more so being a consultant writing my books, right? Um, I also have a Boston Cage Academy that kind of teaches what I do and what we do at Boston Cage collectively for ourselves amongst other people. 
And then I'm also working on the Boston Cage Accelerator, which is essentially taking our business model of Boston Cage into podcast. And then we're doing that as a done for you service for corporations. So, oh, wow. so that type of stuff, I mean, I don't even like broadcast it because again, I'm just filling up my pipelines, right? Uh, and I have access to so many different tentacles, but I want to keep them. I've learned my lesson from my first stroke, right? I don't want to <laughs> get too thin. Like why travel agent, insurance agent, series six, fuck all that. I, I'm a media person. I'm going to stay in my media realm. And what I'm going to do is make all these things work. I've written eight books, so then I'm going to continue to write books. I've done a successful podcast. I'm going to stay in podcasts. I've got a graphic design degree, and i got a web design degree. How do I put all these things together and become, like, the best catch-all consultant to help someone with their media outlets? And that's where I'm at right now. So so really, this is – that's – the podcast has really opened those other doors to you? Or, it, it, or was it the other way around? It tra- cause I, good. I already had an agency. I still, I mean, I still got the, like the trademark on my original agency. I still hold the the S corp and all that stuff on my original company, but I went through a rebrand. So like year one was 2020. And that was the first time anyone has even known me as SA Grant, first of all, and second of all, heard the word Boston Cage. So from then until now, now I finally made that transition to where everyone before was Chanel Grant and Cerebral 360. So it took me, that was like 15 years worth of work. How the hell do I like transform from that and become boss and cage? And I've effectively done that, but it took two to three years of drilling down, branding my ass off day in and day out until where this brand outweighed the other brand. Now you, you brought up the brand piece and I'm a big fan of branding. Uh, I truly believe that people don't put enough into it they they think that and and i'm going to tell you something right now folks and this was something that i had to be educated on don't be cutesy don't be don't be overthinking if you look at some of the best brands that are out there that if i told if i sat that in front of you they're very simplistic coca-cola is the globe's most well-known brand on the planet is coca-cola uh it what used to be the most I don't remember what the right term is, but the most profitable brand used to be Ferrari hmm. uh, on the planet. It's now Lego. Um, Makes sense. It, it, but if you look at their brands, they're very simple. I initially thought, wow, I'm going to have these really thought-provoking and you know, it's going to get into your head brands. Hmm. What is the advice you give to people when they're, they're looking to create a brand for themselves, no matter what it is? Mm-hmm. What is some of the advice you give them? It's funny because I had a podcast today and he was talking about his brand. And again, I would say collectively, if you're going to develop a brand, first of all, it needs to be iconic. It needs to be symbolic. It needs to be extremely simple. It needs to be where a three-year-old can point at it and say, McDonald's, look at the McDonald's logo. Like there's nothing on that. It's just a, it's a fucking M. That's it. It's a big ass golden double arch. Every kid in the damn world, when they see it, no matter where you are on the highway, back street, if they're walking through a damn alleyway and they see that yellow arches, they know what the hell it is. So think of, like you said, all the brands. Apple, for example. It's a fucking Apple. There's no extra shit on it. There's no extra grade. It's the simplest damn thing. And the reason why for that is the psychology behind it is that the translation from age groups and for individual people to see something so many damn times. You want somebody to see it enough times 
that you can give them a piece of paper and say, draw it. If they cannot get remotely close to that illustration of what your brand is, you have officially fucked up. <laughs> I love it. And, and and again, Ray's hanging with us tonight. Spot on fire. Absolutely. The one that I always get is, is when you don't realize the hidden symbols in brands. Yes. FedEx, FedEx. For example. Yep. Fe- FedEx. That is the, the number one one I go to is the FedEx. And what is it? Just time. Like an arrow. It's just a simple as arrow. That's it. How many people have missed the arrow in FedEx? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in everything. I mean, even Wendy's. Like, if you ever notice the Wendy's logo and all of them, the, underneath her neck has mom written in her, her chain. It's O no. M's. So if you look at Wendy's logo and you actually zoom into it, it's going to fuck your head up. Because now every time you see Wendy's, you're going to see mom written on it. And again, if you're a brander, you do these shits intentionally. You make it to where people could start seeing things and start getting ownership of what they think that brand means to them. That's so, so damn true. Um, have you ever had to tell someone, and I, I imagine you have, but have you ever had to tell someone, shit can that brand, that's bad. That's that's bad. <clears throat> uh, I try to do it with a smile on my face. <laughs> But it's one of those things that you, you see bad brands all the time, right? And again, it's difficult until you get that trust, until people hear you as a name brand yourself, until you have that clout. Like Gary V, Gary V can tell McDonald's their logo is fucked up, and McDonald's may think about it. Hey, we probably need to change our logo because Gary V said our logo is <laughs> fucked up. It comes with that trust and that credibility behind it. Until you have that, and if you're starting to debate and fight with that customer. That's not the right customer for you, and you're not the ideal person for them. You should be able to tell someone that not only – you don't have to dictate to say, I'm the professional. I've been doing this forever. But you can easily say, this is why it's not going to work. Historically, this is why it's not going to work. If you state the damn facts and they're still debating it, cut their ass loose. I, I think you, you just bring up a great point that I think is the hardest thing for new businesses to say no. I don't need your money. Because if you're a new business, you're you're trying to, to, to create revenue wherever you can. And you think, well, down the road, I'll cut that person off. For now, I need their money. Yeah. That's I mean, tough. You got to eat. Oh, uh, it, it, it really is. It, it, you're just bringing up such great points for, for the podcast or for the branding person, for the business person mm-hmm. that's thinking about this. Now, I, having conversations with people – do you think if you're going into a business, do you think today in today's market, today's business, thinking about that omnipresence, should every business have a podcast? I would say in today's world, and I actually listened to one of your episodes and you, you asked that same question and, and, I, and I'm in alignment with him to a certain extent. I think it's kind of like if you go back to the early 2000s, if you had a business and you didn't have a blog you made a mistake in today's world. You can create a podcast pretty easily, at least get started and start building your community. Cause that's really what it's about. It's about giving information to a community where people are signing up much like they did back in the day with television versus radio. Every single day, we're going to go watch some soap opera, whatever the hell it is at three o'clock. And you wanted to be there because it wasn't no DVRs. It wasn't on demand. Well, podcasts kind of fills that void to a certain extent, right? It's, it's that bridge between those two. So once you have that content, 
then you want to deliver that content very frequently enough to keep people hooked on it. And if you're not doing that, how can you do that, right? How can you not do that with a pod, without having a podcast? Who the fuck goes to websites anymore? And if they do, right. it's usually through a mobile device or it's through social media. And if you actually have their captured attention, it's usually video or audio when they're working out in the kitchen, in the car, putting the kids down to sleep, washing clothes in their downtime is when you can capture them. Because again, if they're if I'm busy working on something, I'm not going to be able to pay attention to that podcast because I'm trying to think. And I can't hear what they're saying. I can't watch what they're doing while I'm doing what I'm doing, while I'm working, while I'm doing something. It's 100% in the downtime. And it's funny you mentioned the the website thing. And I know we were talking about them earlier and, and, and me putting one together and all that. But I also think about I can't tell you how many websites I go to now that are so cluttered. It, they are such a cluttered space. Mm-hmm. I have a squirrel's brain when I'm looking for something. I want to click on it. I want to go to it. I want to give you the information I need, and I want to move on. Yeah. Please, please don't don't add extra shit. Please don't run your 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 squirrel logo in front of it. Get it out of my way. I want to click on it, and I want to be done. Please, I just I just need to be done yeah. because, like you said, I, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. It's such a great point. Now, you you talked about your omnipresent. I want to talk about some of the other stuff that that you've got going on. So you just. You just started the Boston Cage Book Club. What, where, where did that come from? So actually, I started that in season two. Because again, I, like, I, I started it back in season two. So I mean, we're in season four right now. But again, I think I just invited you to it, right? So I mean, and, and, I, and I do that strategy-based as well too, right? So I mean, to answer your question, the reason why I started that book club is because season one, I had like scripted, unscripted questions. And I started to see a pattern in people's responses. So first I was like, okay, what's your morning habits? What's your morning routines? And I shit you not, four out of five people would always say similar shit. We read a book, we 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 read testimonials, we write something, or, or we meditate or whatever. Every four out of five people. And I was like, okay. So then I started adding in, okay, what books are you reading? And then it went from, okay, well, what books helped you to get on your journey to help you to get to where you are? And then it was like, what books are you reading now? And then I was like, well, shit, I'm interviewing a lot of authors. What is your book? Like, what is your book about? Who is your book for? Who is it talking to? Who is that community? So by default, when I would ask those three questions in the series, I would get anywhere from three to fucking 12 books. Every episode referrals wow. to someone that's creditable, someone that's read the book and is using that book today. So I was like, what the fuck am I doing? How do I leverage that? So the first thing I did, I started creating a database. I started going into my episodes and sourcing each one of the book titles and then going to Amazon and getting the links. And I was like, okay, I'm a crackhead. I can't do that shit all the time. How do I systematize? (laughs) How do I make this into a system? So then I started finding lifetime deals for software and I started sourcing it and have my team to where at the end of every season, they're going to go back because they're already transcribing all all the audio files. So once they're transcribing the files, all they have to do now is go to every single transcription type in the keyword for book. Usually the books are commented with the word book in that keyword. They'll go into it. The fucking titles there is transcribed. Go to set up my damn spreadsheet for me now. Episode five, John made a recommendation for these five damn books. And then we take all that and we put it on a digital platform. So we have a website that's an online directory that partners with the Facebook group and everything else. And the monetization behind that shit is, well, obviously I'm an affiliate for Amazon. So every time somebody goes on there, buys it, downloads it, 
from you, you get yeah. paid off of it. And, and again, it, it, it's gracious in the sense that, hey, if you are looking for books for real estate and I'm interviewing someone for real estate and they're telling you that their favorite book that helped them become a better real estate person is book A and you never heard that book before, nine out of ten times you're going to click on it. Absolutely. I have to ask this question for Nate because this happens on my show. Mm -hmm. Every time I have anyone – have you ever – so first let me ask this question. Have you ever any interviewed anyone – who does like tarot cards or spiritual stuff or or any of that kind of stuff? Just just give me the simple yes or no, real quick. Um, <laughs> I would say to a certain extent, yes. They're more business savvy. They're not just like Moko Jumbi and the skies falling. Right. So every time I interview a paranormal investigator mm. or I've had Patty Negri on who has her own network now for paranormal stuff. Um, I've had the only paranormal Native American paranormal group unearthing the supernatural on every time. And I promise you, probably now that we're talking about it, my show fucks up. <laughs> it, it is a guarantee like the audio will go out. Look, look, you, your screen just froze. Yeah, I, I saw that. It's like it's it's almost like probably you probably start talking that shit into existence. <laughs> I, I'm I'm telling you, and you didn't know I was going to bring that up. You didn't know Nate right. was going to bring that up. I can't control your screen. Mm. The minute we we started bringing it up, your screen froze. Mm. So I had to ask you. He wants to know that does it ever take your podcast down? He didn't. He doesn't interview enough of Nate. No, I, I, don't, I mean, like like my core audience, so, and again, it's change, right? First, it was my, my core index of individuals that I've worked with or have talked to and networked with before, and they're all business owners to some extent. And then it went from that to their referrals, and then now it's to the point to where I'm interviewing someone for the first time. It's the first time I've even, even heard of them or met them, but nine out of ten of them are multimillionaires at this point. I love it. I love it. How about so, – so that's where the book club comes from. How about the food side? Where does uh, Uncaged Foodie come from? So that that was a rebrand, actually. So I like me and my guy um, Ike was part of that food group, and we went out to um, what we call Chinatown in in Atlanta, and we were just eating. And I was like, "Dude, let's just start a start a food group." And I just put it up there, and the name used to be I forgot the, the original name of it. And then I I did the whole rebrand and became Boston Cage. And time went on, and then it started growing. It started growing organically, and I was just like. How do I bridge these things? Because again, I'm not trying to have another fucking stroke. How do I bridge these gaps, right? How do I bridge these gaps? So the first thing was like, let me rebrand it and let's like I'm not gonna call it Boston Cage. Let me call it Uncaged Foodies. Because again, two words, simple. A foodie person could look at it and be like, okay, I'm expecting something a little bit different on here. Great. So what I'm doing on the back end now, as far as like the monetization and the long-term play on it, well, I could easily now send out emails and communicate with people like I'm doing with the book club. So what I've done with the book club is if you have a book being released, now you can come on to like the Boston Cage book club podcast to where we'll do a live stream, talk about your book release. But I'm only communicating with people that have already been on the show before. So it's giving them dual marketing. One episode is about them and their story. The second episode is about them and that book. And now the third one eventually is going to be about, okay, if I ask you, why is that your favorite pizza? What did your mom cook for you when you were younger? What kind of meals do you like to cook for your family? So now you have three levels of marketing. You have the personal business side. 
you have the intellectual book side, and then you have the everyone has to fucking eat. That's the commonality. Like you said, push your stool in. Everyone has to push the stool out, right? So again, everyone <laughs> has to fucking eat. And once you understand that, then it's a commonality, and I can bridge all of them together and put it underneath the umbrella of being boss and cage. You, you caught the double entendre? Well, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Because I, I, I tried to explain it to my – they were like, what? I'm like, well, if you go to the bar and you tilt your stool at a bar, <laughs> that means I'm coming back. So – but the other side is, is don't leave your stool in the middle of the aisle. And they're like, okay, well, I don't understand the double entendre. Mm. And you're the kind of guy that would go to a bar and ask somebody, could you push, push their stool in for them? Yeah, you, you won't walk away. Well, you may walk away funny afterwards. So, uh, and let's see, what bourbon goes good? What bourbon goes? I'm going to tell you, Nate, I've drank a lot of bourbon in my life. I don't know of any bourbon that goes good with pizza. That's a... Hmm. Um, it had to be something fruity. It had to be like a yeah. It would have to be like maybe raw. Like remember, all whiskeys are bourbons. Not all bourbons are whisk. Hmm. Or all bourbons are whiskeys. Not all whiskeys are bourbons. Um, yeah, I don't know any bur. Like I'd have to think about that. Like maybe something that was aged in like a sherry bottle or something, hmm. sherry barrel or something like that might be okay. Because because I'm at the point now where like. I drink all my my whiskeys and bourbons mm. neat. I don't I don't put any ice in them. I've I've reached that point. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Now now we're gonna get into something here. So I have a list in front of me. Oh shit! I got a list. I, this list has never been brought out uh, during this show. It's been talked about. You and I, when we first met, talked about this list. And this list, I, and it's got a date on it. I love the fact that I didn't realize it had a date on it. This list was created July 7th, 2014 at 6.40 a.m. Wow. And this list came from me sitting next to an an ADA from Atlanta Hmm. on a flight and saying that I was down in Atlanta working for uh, a railroad company. And I said, you know, I haven't I found a couple of good places. uh, And they're not some of the ones that aren't on the list. Have you ever been to uh, Palookaville? In Atlanta, I have not. That that's uh, what's the district where it's a neighborhood where it's got all these shops, but they look like little tiny houses. Like it's this whole th- strip. You are talking about Helen, Georgia? No, it's in Atlanta. It's uh, uh, see now I'm gonna have to look. But uh, Nate, look up Palookaville for me. Uh, Palookaville. It's actually amazing in Atlanta because it had uh. They had adult milkshakes in Palookaville. Hmm. Palookaville, oh, it's permanently closed now. But uh, it was uh, Estates, Georgia. Avondale Estates. Oh, yeah. I know where Avondale is. Right off Memorial Drive. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, but it's permanently yeah. closed now. Oh, yeah. So was, you're talking about like the downtown Avondale. Yeah. Yeah. There's the like little houses. Yeah. This is perfectly true. Corn Dog Palace. They, they made homemade corn dogs there. It was right at the Every, corner. Yep. You know the place I'm talking about now. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that was Palookaville. Love Palookaville. Mm. So I'm going to read this list to you. I want to know if you've been to them in Atlanta and if you're giving it a thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. Fox Brothers. Thumbs up. Been there. Yep. Uh, They do an amazing, uh, I don't know what you call it, Frito Pie or Walking Taco. What do you call it? I think probably more Walking Taco, probably more a better definition. Um. Mary Max. 
Um, I think I've had takeout from Mary Max. So, and if I remember right, yeah. All right. Uh, we talked about Antico Pizza. Have it. Uh, yeah. You gotta gotta do Antico. West Egg. West Egg. West Egg. I think I'm thinking about the other egg companies. Nope, don't on that one. Uh, West Egg. I recommend West Egg on Sundays. They do um, pimento cheese grits, shrimp and pimento cheese grits on Sundays. Um, you got to post all this shit in the food group, man. I'm gonna have to. Do, I'll do this list. I'll, well, I, if, when this is over with, yeah. I'll put this this one here. Uh, Taco Ray del Sol, F- phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, like some of the best tacos I've ever had. Uh, Nuvo Laredo. Nope. Um, Atlanta Fish Market. I give Atlanta Fish Market a lot of credit mm. for, and for those that don't realize it, Atlanta is a landlocked city. Yeah, extremely. And they've got amazing seafood at Atlanta Fish Market that they bring in. Yeah, it's a premium for it as well, too. So, oh, oh you pay. Don't get yeah, that twisted. But there's an amazing comic book store around the corner. I don't remember the name of it, but down the block, there's a really impressive comic book store, Flying Biscuit. Yeah, I mean, Flying Biscuit is an acquired taste if you like dry ass biscuits, but. <laughs> the biscuits are well seasoned i'll give them that so it's kind of like a it's kind of Let, the commercial now so last two that that aren't on the list varsity oh yeah of course i mean that's just kind of like if you went to coney island you're not gonna go to fucking nathan's i mean it's, it's the same thing here how amazing is varsity what do you have 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 yeah how amazing like i love varsity i almost got in a fight in varsity it must have been the one in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The one downtown Atlanta, uh, fresh out. I was still actually in the Marine Corps. Like, I had not, like, completely eas yet. I was with a buddy of mine, Terrell, and some college girl from Georgia Tech. And if you didn't know, like, Georgia Tech is right next to Varsity. Literally. Uh, I was standing in line, and she tried to walk around me. I looked at her. I was like, where are you going? I'm going to get in this line. I'm like, you can get in the back of it. Who are you? I was like, you definitely picked the wrong cat today. <laughs> like, like, please, please don't look at me and look at who I look like and think I'm that guy. I'm not that guy. <laughs> she took her, she took her ass to the back of the line, talking shit the entire time. And Terrell was like, my boy Terrell's from Jacksonville, Florida. Terrell was like, he's like, Murph, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, she, oh, you, oh, you thought she was getting up here? Yeah, that ain't happening. Other spot in Atlanta that I love. Have you ever been to Chick-fil-A Dwarf House? Yes, I've been there. I mean, it's it's kind of like a, a new I love you. Essay. Yeah, you might have just become one of my closest friends well, in the I'm world right now. I'm just saying it's like uh, Chick-fil-A is based in Atlanta. So it's kind of like saying, have you ever flew on Delta? But I'm saying like a Dwarf House. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The dwarf I mean, House but, is different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, it, it's it's common. buy a burger there. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. But. One of the greatest food things that ever happened to me happened at that place. Hmm, I'm listening. Okay. So Terrell, I'm telling you, Terrell's like Terrell's like fam. And we're we're hanging out there and uh always listen to the waitress and always li- listen to if she if she got a little sass to her, mm-hmm. she knows her game. So the waitress walks up to, to Terrell and I and she goes, we're order, we're looking on the menu. We're like both blown away that we're sitting at a sit down Chick Fil A restaurant with a menu, just completely blown away by this. And she looks at us and she goes, 
y'all want to try something good? And and Nate and Terrell and I are like, well, yeah, obviously. She goes, you need to have the sweet potato souffle on top of a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Mm. Fucked me up. Essay. Messed. She brought out this vanilla ice cream, good vanilla ice cream, mm-hmm. with a scoop of warm sweet potato souffle with the marshmallows in it. Mm. On top of it, with a little bit of crust, like uh, brown sugar, like yeah. uh, crust on top of it, hmm. bro. It's a game I'll changer. put that. I'll put that dessert. Like I know you're gonna get ready to leave. I know you ain't that far away. I know tomorrow you. It's all already nine o'clock. I know tomorrow you're gonna drive up to Dwarf House talking about. Do you have this, brother? It was unbelievably good. I hmm. I would I tell people all the time. I think Atlanta is one of the best unsung food cities in america i would have to concur with that i mean it, it's so many different sub cities and subcultures to where it's becoming more and more like a like a new york or a barcelona or or an la to that that extent it's getting very diversified and you could find random shit that you would not be able to find anywhere else well you guys got a big ethiopian population we got a pretty big, a little bit of everything. I I mean, I think Buford Highway is the strip, right? So Buford Highway, like we got Koreans, um, Japanese, Chinese. We, and we have like so much other different cultures that flock to that area as well. So you could literally get a Peking duck fresh in one window over here and go get some yucca roots over here and, and like literally all in that one strip. I love it. That's why I say. And they never do food shows in Atlanta. Them food shows are never in Atlanta. Like, And if they are, it's... It's somebody's barbecue joint that, you know, there's one over by the airport that's real good. I've seen on a couple of food shows. I can't think of the name of it. Um, but, yeah, you never you never get enough out of Atlanta. So I'm going to tell everybody, if you get a chance, go to Atlanta. You can go see a Braves game if you want to, I guess. I mean, all right. But uh, you you could eat, like, eat your soul away. And we talked about a scotch egg at the beginning. Um the scotch egg is one of the most glorious thing. It's a hard boiled egg wrapped in sausage, fried with a dipping sauce. Oh shit! Um, it, a scotch egg would change your life. It's just one of the best appetizers ever made. Mm. Is the scotch egg? Again, hard boiled egg wrapped in sausage, fried with a dipping sauce. Oh shit! Yeah, and and then they got a great beer down there. Uh, Sweetwater Brewery in Atlanta is amazing. They do uh, Sweetwater Four Twenty. Is a phenomenal beer, so I recommend that also. And it's it's a it's an ale. It's not a it's not an IPA. It's an ale. I yeah. believe. What's your, what's your thoughts on sours? We got some sours coming out of Atlanta nowadays too. <sighs> Dump that shit in the toilet and get rid of it. It is so. I'll get into this. So my wife and I, I have a phenomenal wife. She is down if we want to go somewhere, and I'm like, babe, we're going here, and we're gonna try this. Like we have great breweries up here. Um, Oma Gang's one. They did all the uh, Game of Thrones beers. Was mm-hmm. Oma Gang. One and the other one we have is called Ithaca, Ithaca Brewing up in Ithaca, New York. There's a big college town. So we're there, and I'm looking. I'm like, oh, oh everybody's talking about these sours. Fuck, I'm gonna have me one of those, bro. Do you drink kombucha? Yeah. That's actually, why you I, like sours. That's why yeah, you like that shit. Yeah, I actually got into that shit recently, so it was just like it's a ball game. But I, I, I drink seltzer water too. Or if you go, I like seltzer. You know, uh, water I, water with bubbles. I love seltzer water. I, I would drink seltzer water all the time. I think it's phenomenal. 
kombucha tastes like armpit and sour tastes like you just poured my poured like my beer through a dirty gym sock and oh, wrung that shit. shit out. Wrung that shit out talking about like here. And that's some what are they called? Uh the guys that wear the, the glasses with no lenses in them. There's oh, you know the term. What the hell's that term? It's like a whole group like they want to look like lumber, lumberjacks, but they can't cut no wood. Oh, okay. Oh, God, I can't think of the right term. Hipsters. Hipsters. That's some hipster shit. Like, ha, ha, I'm drinking a sour. You're drinking dirty piss water that somebody seltzers up for you. Please keep that. Oh, God, it is so good. Oh, shit. Oh, talk about dropping a solid ass opinion. <laughs> oh, God, I can't. Like, bro, they're so gross. Like, I can't, and I'm, and I'm a firm believer, like, I'll try again. Like, like maybe the first one I had was bad and it just wasn't for me. Like, I know people that don't like IPAs and I'm like, Hey, if you don't like IPA, I completely understand it. Tell me which one you had. Oh, I had what, whatever local I tell them, Hey, try sip of sunshine from Lawson's brewery. Sip of sunshine from Lawson's is for the longest time was like one of the number one. And what they do is all of Lawson's stuff is shipped cold. It's made cold. It stays cold from the minute it's made and it's shipped cold. You can't, I know the local company here in Albany that ships Lawson's and we've talked about it. They're like, for us to be a Lawson's distributor, we had to promise that their beer would always stay cold. Hmm. Sip of sunshine from Lawson's will change your life when it comes to IPAs. But my son who's down in Orlando I could give him that, and he's like, "That is still tastes like fucking shit." Fair enough. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, it's but, a hard taste. I mean, a terrapin is one of those things. Is like once you learn to love it, then you love it. But if you don't like it, it tastes like a damn rotten tire. So. Oh God, it's like it's like, oh God, and and people who drink it the first time are like, "Oh, this is amazing." I'm like, "You're lying. You're lying." It's like bourbon. The first time you ever tried bourbon, you were like. Oh, my whole entire face is on fire. And I, yeah, exactly. I just sipped gasoline. What are you doing to me? But once you get that acquired taste for it, it's a game changer. It, it, oh, God. Oh, I can't even. <laughs> but, but see, I used to like, like, do you still like the, Okay. We're, mm-hmm. look, folks, if you're still hanging with us, I appreciate it because this is the way the conversation went with SA and I the first time we met. We just went in some left turn shit. Do you still drink any? What would be like cheapy beers? Fuck you! No. Still like no nothing. Like that whole forty ounce shit is out the fucking door. No! out the fucking door. Budweiser out the fucking door. Like I, I, I'm not gonna say I'm a bougie drinker, but I'm if that shit does not if it's not crafted, I'm not fucking with it. I, I just can't. It just tastes you, like ass. It, it your your life has been changed by taste. Now I still love from back in Baltimore, Natty Bo, National Bohemian. Mm. It is, but you know what? It's if you talk to somebody from Pittsburgh, they probably will tell you they still got a can of steel reserve. Hmm. If you go to Rochester or Western New York, they got Jenny Red Eye, Genesea. Their local Pilsners that are still made locally that you'll never find nationally. Like, like does Atlanta have like I, I the only Atlanta beer I know is Sweetwater. Yeah, and we're starting to get it get it up here. 
Yeah, we got microbreweries everywhere. So, I mean, I don't remember all the names of them, but you like if you're in Atlanta, like literally you could drive to South or drive to Roswell and you'll be like, oh, this is made in Atlanta, but it's just made 20 miles south of here. So, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of microbreweries popping up left and right. Mm. You just, you uh, look, Master Gun, just throw it out. Utica Club. That is a straight up New York West. But now Utica, you want to talk about a food city? Mm. Bro. Utica, New York is like this unsung food city in America. If anybody out there is listening, it's from New Utica, drop some places. They have things like chicken riggies. I know you ain't never heard of that. Nope. And it's like this chicken pasta dish, like, but it's almost like a Diablo sauce to it. Mm. They have uh, Utica greens, which are very similar the same way, but it's like broccoli rob. These mm. greens that are so good. Have you ever had tomato pie? define it because i've had shits that have been different terms so so tomato pie the first time i ever had it was in mm. philadelphia and i thought it was a okay. philadelphia thing so they argue is it a philly thing or is it a utica thing but tomato pie is a pizza with probably about half an inch thick worth of sauce on it mm-hmm. and the only cheese on it is parmigiana so they bake it they put the sauce on there sprinkle a little parmesan maybe a little oregano that's it that shit sounds great, though. Bro, I'm going to tell you, you want to talk about good-ass, cold, hangover-ass pizza? <laughs> that a tomato pie. And there's, they're always square, like Sicilian style. Okay. They're chopping up in blocks. Okay. Yep. That's Utica's enough. But that's another thing. That's what, you know what? I, I just figured out what, we, we have to do a post on, on Cage Foodies. Local foods to where people are at. Like that, like nobody else would know about. Yeah, I actually wrote, wrote an article about that. I was just like, you know, as far as like living to to your extent, right? So if I'm going to go to, and this is an example that I talked about in that presentation, going to Texas and eating Texas caviar or going that? to New York and have Texas caviar essentially is um, corn. It's kind of like a, like a, like a salsa almost. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. Like, until you start doing like these, like I, me and my wife, we went to Spain recently. Right. And she's in love with creme brulee. Come to find mm. out creme brulee was essentially developed in Spain in a, in a city called Catalina. So we was like, holy shit, we're going to the birthplace of fucking creme brulee. So every night we went to a different restaurant. We had dinner. And if they had creme brulee, which f- four out of five of them did, we had creme brulee. That's awesome. So it was just kind of like. Once you kind of find the regions, like, have you ever had a Manhattan in Manhattan? Have you ever had a Boston cream pie in Boston? That's like the, like, when you get to like traveling, like, I mean, that's when you can really Love like it. document the shit that you're doing based upon the food of that region. See that I'm all about that. I tell people all the time, you never would think of Boston for subs. That's never come up in a conversation a day in anyone's life. Boston subs. It's Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. Best chicken salad you will ever have in your life is a place called Al's in Boston. And it's seven bucks for a fucking foot long. And I used to get mine when I worked for uh, on the railroad. I would go to Al's, get a foot long uh, with provolone cheese and Italian hots on a chicken salad. So it, what kind of salad are you talking about? Are you more of like a like a, a zesty sweet salad or a salty salad or a bland salad? Look, I know you're looking at me and think I'm I'm into bland, but that's not true. 
No, I had three options. I I guess I like mine. Uh, see, I always put Old Bay in everything. That's just mm. the thing. Growing up in Baltimore, I put Old Bay in everything. But um, I say my chicken salad, it needs to have a little bit of little salt and pepper, but a little zest to it, I guess. A little zest. But uh, I I like mine with Italian hots on top of it. And that's the only way I know to call them. I don't even know what else to call it other than Italian hots. See, I like I like like the, the relish of the sweet relish bite to it. And mm-hmm. then fucking infuse that shit with like sriracha or some kind of really spicy mm-hmm. paper. So you get like that sweet and then that, that heat and then you keep eating it and that heat just keeps building up and you layer that motherfucker with some um, crushed red peppers and black pepper as well. Oh, I love it. So you get the three layers of that pepper as you continue to eat it. There's another spot in Atlanta you just reminded me of. Uh, Ted, Ted and somebody's like it's two names. It's two names. It's There's a chain of them. You're not talking about um, Ted Turner's. No, that's the, the uh, Ted's, which is the, he's got the yeah. other one. This is like two names, like Tim and Tracy, Ted and Steve's, you know, it's two names, but they got the, some of the best biscuits I've ever had. They might, they might ri- rival a Shoney's biscuit. Hmm. And if y'all ain't never had a Shoney's biscuit, a Shoney's biscuit will change your life. <laughs> Shoney's yeast rolls are, are something special. I don't give a shit. That's, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Shoney's biscuits are amazing. Yes, and Nathan, look, well, see, but Nate's talking about like Baltimore seafood. We have amazing seafood back home in Baltimore. I love my seafood. But you ever had a pit beef sandwich? Oh. And that's my thing. So I interviewed the uh, Dave, his name's Dave. Dave is the creator of Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives. Mm-hmm. He wrote, he was a news reporter. He wrote a book that they turned into Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives. He's won Emmys and everything. Mm-hmm. And I told him this is something I wanted to do with him. And he was down for it. But he told me about how to get into TV. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Um, but we talked about it. I wanted to get him in my RV and go cross country and go to individual cities where people have exited their own home countries as refugees mm-hmm. and settled in the United States and found ways to create dishes from their home countries. Mm-hmm in the U S and how those would be perceived. And it would have been great with Dave because Dave's probably late sixties. And here I am in my forties, completely different backgrounds. He's from the Jersey shore area. I'm from Baltimore. I was like, this would be phenomenal. The two of us just riding around in an RV and going and doing yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a niche. I mean, you know, talking about like niching down. Cause I mean, like, like you're bringing up all these like American dishes and I'm like more so like a Caribbean person, right? I was born in the islands. So I could talk about fucking iguanas and all types of other shit that in America, they probably be like, what the fuck is that? You want to have some, you would like my oxtail. Oh yeah. yeah. We, I mean, oxtail, I mean, it's, it's almost a signature thing. It's like, okay, what, what do you put in your oxtail? Like we're going to start with that. Like how, how do you cook So the oxtail recipe I have, Actually, it's very different than a Caribbean oxtail where it's where your sauce is very much a brown mm-hmm. gravy. The recipe that I have that I started making actually makes almost more of a of a uh, a roux hmm. for the gravy. So you 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 batter the oxtails, fry them in a uh, pan, and then drop them into the crock pot, and you make a a roux out of the drippings mm-hmm. that you pour over top of the oxtail and then let it cook the rest of the day. 
Yeah, so the olives, they usually like, it's called like brown stewing. So where they'll burn the sugar in oil. And like that becomes the base. And then you put the meat in it with all the vegetables and everything else. And then they, all that shit simmers together. So, I mean, it's to your point. I mean, I think they're very similar, but they're distinctly different when you eat them when the finished product. 100%. Like mine, mine's amazing over mashed potatoes. Mm. I would want, when I have, like, we have a couple of great restaurants up here in the Albany area. When I have their oxtail, I want it with cabbage. I want it with fried cabbage. It, if, it, if it's not fried cabbage, I'm probably not. There's a problem there in my book. Yeah, see, for me, it's kind of like if you ever had, like, traditional Caribbean rice and beans with, like, heavy gravy from the oxtails or roti with oxtails. Uh, bro, can I tell you about some roti for a minute? And you heard the way I said it, roti. You heard <laughs> that, you. right? Yeah, I heard So, God, if you're still sticking with us, folks, thank you so much. Because <laughs> this is just two assholes talking at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so I had this guy we put in the Marine Corps. I was... I was in Reading, Pennsylvania. I was the NCYC of the station. Mm-hmm. And God, I can't remember his name to save my life, but I'll tell you right now. One eye would look at you and the other one would look around the corner. <laughs> um, great dude though. Big sucker too. Like he was he was very you know what I mean by island big? Yeah. Like he was island big. And he used to always tell me he would be like, Goni. And he was like six two. He's like, Goni, my mama six six. She come here and whoop oh. your ass. And I'm like, Brian, worry about your mother in no way, shape, or form. He'd be like, My mama come here and whoop your ass. So he used to always pick me up roti from the city and bring it to me. And I had some amazing roti. But the best was he would stand at my door with that crazy ass eye of his. And he'd be like, And I'd be like, Bro, you need to leave. He'd be like, Gunny, keep messing with me. I put the dopey on you. I put the dopey on you. And I was like, and finally one day I was like, what the hell is the duppy? What the hell? He's like, oh, you don't know the duppy. The duppy, <laughs> the duppy's an evil spirit. He come for you, Gunny. And I'd be like, bro, you, your six foot six mom and your duppy need to get the hell out of my <laughs> office. But he was a great kid. Where was he from? He was, um, I want to say his family was like Trinidad, Trinidad, Trinidad Trinidadian. Yeah, so am uh, I. Yeah, I want to say that's where they were from, but but he used to always be talking about I put the dopey on you, mm. and I was like, it, it's funny when you talk about like multiple dialects, man. And like I think U.S. is the same shit. Like the southern dialect is completely different than the midwestern versus the up north. So it's the same thing in the islands. It's like this diversity of the same shit said in different ways. Oh well, I grew up in the Mid Atlantic. Mm. Growing up, you know, Baltimore, Delaware, Pennsylvania, that Mid Atlantic area completely different than anything else we're we're so different and it's funny when you get when i'm up here in the new york area can't tell you many people will be like so you're from like georgia right like from from georgia i'm like nope nope Nope. not not in any way shape or form it's a whole different swing man and they're like really and i'm like i'm from baltimore they're like i would have never known so we're gonna get right brother you and i could probably do this all night long I mean, I don't book anything after five o'clock. So, I mean, so and I gotta... don't book anything before then. <laughs> uh, kids, kids get put to bed and I do my thing. So how often, what, what days, I know we have shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays when you're recording. Mm-hmm. What are your release dates? So based upon the analytical data, Tuesday mornings at 5 a.m. Tuesday mornings, 5 a.m. New show will come out. 
Yep. And if they want to watch you live, it's podcast.bossuncaged.com. No, if they want to watch me live, I mean, you just have to kind of figure out the channels that I'm on. So I'm on TikTok. I'm on um, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Whichever one works for you, then log in. But I would say, like, the lives are just me kind of just getting that content out and putting it out there live for whoever's in that environment. But I think the episodes being released, the audio-only ones, are, like, the really... Because, again, I think if you're listening to the podcast, you're not watching the podcast, but that makes sense. No, that absolutely makes sense to me. Uh, there's a lot of us that are exactly that way. And Master Guns, I've never been to Brass Ball Saloon. I know Brass Ball Saloon. But when I'm in Ocean City, Maryland, it's all about Thrasher Fries with uh, Old Bay and uh, and uh, malt vinegar on them. That's my thing. Hmm. Bro, malt vinegar on fries. My wife hates it. I put them on there all day long. Nothing like it. I mean, you can go to France and then put mayo on it. So you just don't, right? Well, that's that's it. I'll have to tell you something after the show. I don't want to give away one of my secrets. I'm going to give away a secret to you after the show, though. I got to figure out a way to do an after show recording. Yeah, I heard I heard you was talking on an episode about I think they have not done that yet. To allow, Once it's done, it's done. That's it. Like That's my only thing for StreamYard, and I've talked to them about it before I've sent them messages, is I would love a way that when this ends – and you and I are done to be able to cut the recording and then do an after recording at the same time that I could mark it as, Hey, you want to know what we talked about after the show that I hinted at? You need to go ahead and pay for that. that yeah. You that, put it behind a paid wall. Yeah. Yeah. Put it behind a paywall. And I know some people are like, why well, you keep talking about pay? Look, you go to your job and you do it. You listen to this and you enjoyed it. Trust me. I put some effort into it. Well, I mean, I think that that brings up a really good point about, like, why do people bring up pay? And again, like, it's based upon supply and demand, right? If you have people that are demanding your content and they want premium content or they want inside content or they want behind the scenes or they want exclusive talk to you type, then obviously you're going to have to pay to play because you're only one person. That, that's it. You, you just brought it up. Do you want the extra that nobody else is getting? Yeah. Exclusivity. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exclusivity. So um, so they, they can find it bossoncage.com, mm-hmm. podcast.bossoncage.com. You've got the Uncaged Foodies on Facebook. You've got the book club. Uh, if you're looking for the podcast on Facebook, it'll actually come up as Boss Uncaged. And then you'll see with S.A. Grant, mm-hmm. you can find him on LinkedIn at Chanel Grant with a check mark in front of it. Uh Instagram, if you type in Chanel Lee Grant, it'll pop up on Instagram. That's actually my personal. So again, essay if you type in essay Grant or Boston Cage or anyone in the platforms, because I just learned pop. I, I got dual, I got two accounts for each one of them. Gotcha. So any one of those locations, make your, sure you're reaching out to essay. Make sure you're checking him out. Make sure you see see him what he's got going on. As we said towards the beginning of the show, I'm going to repeat this real quick. If you've got a sticker and a cause, you got something you're supporting, or you got somebody that you think might be a great guest and you think might might be good on here, like my man Nate, he's getting ready. I want to make sure I, I plug this for him because he always takes good care of us. He's getting ready to be on uh, another pair. He's got involved with a paranormal show and it's called Funhouse. And he's actually, it's called Paranormal in the Funhouse. Uh, it's a podcast he's he's supporting now, and he's working with those guys. He's great at finding guests. So make sure you check out that. He's actually going to be on that uh, Paranormal Network. So make sure you check him out. And I just recorded an episode with our former guest, uh, Devon. He's got a show called uh, Drugs 
uh god i just forgot the name of it but it's a uh, sex drugs and jesus he's got a podcast called sex drugs and jesus uh very interesting uh gentleman who uh very worth uh checking out thanks master guns i appreciate it uh so make sure you check that that's coming out september 15th you can listen to me on that one uh make sure you check out all sa stuff you can go see what he's got make sure you come like share follow if it's the first time you found us through sa please give us a like follow share we're on everything is the above the bar podcast that's my branding i made sure that everything said the above the bar podcast and had this beautiful face wearing a fedora look at his face you know face on only a, an inmate could love. I'm catching uh, up to you. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, you get, uh, you know what? I even got into God. See, this is how this works for guys like us. I even hooked up my buddy. Uh, be be on the lookout in November. If you don't know what Movember is, that's the no shave November stuff. I was just talking with Doug from over at uh, Doug Smythe from Phoenix Shaving. I think we're gonna do a, a giveaway in Movember for uh, some facial hair care products. Uh, and he's got some high quality, like it, I've now gotten the, his hand, like, so like hand free wash. It's called, uh, he's got one called diver down and bro, I put it on before I go into meetings and it always smells like I just got a fresh haircut. Hmm. Do you know how like everybody loves the smell of a fresh haircut? Yeah. It's a distinct smell for sure. It's like a new car, man. That's it. So everybody, I always feel everybody's always smiling when I see them. So, cause I'm going to blame that. <laughs> so. As don't go away after this, we got a couple things I want to talk to you about, brother. But uh, as we do on every single episode, this is something that has to happen. The guest always gets the last word. So, what's the last word for us? Wow, last words. So you're talking about like insightful words of wisdom to leave behind for someone, whatever the hell I want to, right? Whatever the hell you feeling. I, I would say, I mean, I, you and I, we talked about a lot of different things in this particular episode, and I think we dropped a lot of different insight, tools, and nuggets. And the only thing I want people to do is to take action on it. I mean, taking this information in and, and making notes, not doing anything with it is fucking pointless. Take action on at least one thing that we've said. Start with one step and build from there. Because, again, I wasn't always a podcaster. You weren't always a podcaster. I wasn't always an entrepreneur. You'll figure the shit the fuck out the faster you get to doing it. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.